Welcome to Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. We have a super exciting episode today. I had a conversation with Haley, who is currently living in Taiwan. She and I met when I was living there, and we've stayed in touch. So I, well, I was going to say I sat down to chat with her, but we jumped on an internet connection to chat with each other about her experience traveling and what it is like both traveling and living in an Asian country as a plus size woman, as a lesbian, what her relationship has been like in Asia and just the challenges that come respectively with both of those identities. And it is a really fabulous conversation. Frankly, we both could have chatted, I think, for hours and hours, but we did. We did try to keep it to a reasonable amount of time, but hopefully we will have her back in the future because she has some really fabulous perspectives and things to share and is just a wonderful person that I enjoy talking to. Also, I just want to say that with each of the remote interviews that I've done, I've tried different technological things and platforms, and each of them come with their own challenges. So the audio quality is not what it usually is in this podcast, but I do have some improvements to make for the next episode. So hopefully things will keep getting better. And I so appreciate you sticking with us as we sort out all of these technological bumps in the road that have come with the age of the internet and the age of the pandemic and all that fun stuff as we increasingly move more and more online and have these conversations remotely. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Haley. Haley, welcome so much to the podcast. It's good to talk to you. Hi, thanks for having me. It's really good to see you again. I think it's probably been about a year, right? I don't even remember when we actually met up. I don't either. I think I think it's been more than a year, to be honest. Probably. I don't remember what when you actually left Taiwan, but yeah, last summer. Yeah. Okay, then yeah, it's been about a year. So. Yeah, cool. And actually, I didn't ask you this ahead of time. I should have, but would you be open to giving us a little brief uh, catch up to how things are going in Taiwan right now, re the pandemic and everything? Because I know it's oh quite yeah, different than course. when I was there. Yeah. Um, it is very different. Um, I don't know if your listeners have caught up or know much about how Taiwan has handled it in the past, mm -hmm. but um, just a preface that we were at zero cases for, for quite a while. Um, we were doing great. Taiwan was like the forefront of like, we're never going to get it. Yeah. Um, and then as more and more people, nationals or pilots, the flight attendants, they started coming home, it would come slowly in like small waves of like mm, 20 here, 50 here, mm -hmm. maybe 100. But as of the past couple of weeks, it has bombed. Like, I think yesterday there were over 16,000 cases, Jeez. which is huge for us. A few thousand. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So I know that in comparison to the rest of the world, 16,000 <laughs> seems really small mm -hmm. but people need to understand that taiwan was doing so well for mm -hmm. so long yeah that this is this is all new for us yeah and the government is actually handling it quite well um nobody's really panicked as far as that i'm aware of they've taken down all the qr codes so you don't need to oh, scan wow. a qr code anymore to go in anywhere um, we still wear masks everywhere, mm -hmm. but I think that we're slowly incorporating it into daily life. Mm -hmm. I, I'm 
I think that's how people are, are handling it instead of a massive panic. Yeah, like no great. lockdowns or anything like that. Oh, God, no. Um, <laughs> I only had to lock down, and I'm a teacher, so mm -hmm. it only affected me for maybe three months at the most Okay. since this whole thing has started. Mm -hmm. I think we had like a height and rise in cases and a scare uh, about a year, year and a half ago. It was and last summer, right before I left. Last summer, yeah. right before you left, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then my school went online for... Mm -hmm. I think a little over two months, our summer camp was completely closed, mm -hmm. um, which for Taiwan Boshiban, that's a big deal to close the summer camp. So other than that, we've never had to have any sort of lockdown. Mm -hmm. um, I know the policy is, and that is of today, it could change as today's meeting later. But as of right now, if the school has two cases, in the school, they will shut down for, it's either, I think it's three days. The school will shut down for three days and they will do online class mm -hmm. and then they will open back up. Okay. Yeah. That's much more and conservative I, than it was last summer for sure. Mm -hmm. So they're just sort yeah. of living with it now. It seems like. They're trying to. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, thanks for that. I hope you're doing well and everyone no there. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I'm fine. <laughs> um, it's just, it is. You know, at this point, it's just kind of like where if you choose to get vaccinated and boosted, then you are that and you wear a mask and sanitize and wash yeah. your hands more. And yeah. it, it just, you know. Yeah, it's definitely what it's like it is, here in the States. It is the way of life now. <laughs> it's it's been two years. I hate yeah. to say it is what it is, but it at, is. at this point, that's exactly mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. um, well, cool. Thank you for that. So... We no met in Taiwan. We actually connected mm -hmm. um, on Instagram, I think, probably through the, the Facebook group for women living in Taiwan, because we, oh, if I remember right, we like knew of each other before we'd even met and had been following each other and like chatting and sending messages for a while. And then finally, we're able to connect because um, we lived in different parts of Taiwan. So that was sort of our origin story, I think, if I'm remembering right. Yeah. No, I think it sounds it sounds correct. Yeah, um, so I think you're good. So I wanted to have you on just as someone who has, uh, you know, travel stories and living abroad, living in Taiwan. Also, we share some experiences, I think, some perspectives mm -hmm. on things, but also you have different perspectives that I don't share. So we're going to mm -hmm. chat about some of those, um, specifically what it's like to travel as a plus size woman and as a lesbian in Asia and also just in general. Um, mm -hmm. But if you could give us a little background of your like travel history, like what, what got you started? Where did you go first? What was that for you? Um, I am from small town, North Carolina. <laughs> and <laughs> like small town as in like outside of Charlotte, if any of your listeners, you know, geographically know. But um, growing up, we stayed within the state. Mm -hmm. I only ever went to Disneyland as like a 12-year-old, and that was my very first trip on an airplane. And after that, I never got on another plane until I was 17 mm -hmm. when I took my trip to Colorado for the first time. Um, after that, I was um, involved in a church that had a mission trip in Chihuahua City, Mexico 
and I wanted to go so bad. I wanted to travel. I wanted to go to Mexico. It was a place on my bucket list, um, and this was just a good opportunity for me to go. So uh, around 2004, I was able to go on this mission trip to Mexico, and it was one of the best experiences, removing religion from the equation. I had a great time. Mm-hmm. And um, ever since then, I've always kind of been bit by the travel bug. Mm-hmm. And um, graduating university, I worked in a hotel, second to third shift, hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, just hated the hours, didn't hate the work. Yeah. I don't mind doing hotel reception, but the hours sucked. And I just, I needed more. I needed more. I needed to get out. I've always been one person that, you know, knew that there were more opportunities beyond my small town mm-hmm. and beyond my university town. So I got online through a career services center and just started blasting out my resume. Um, and somehow it ended up in the hands of a recruiter for South it's Korea. very easy to do, I think. <laughs> and I'm not sure how it ended up because... When I was thinking back about it, I don't remember specifically applying for that job. Mm-hmm. So I think it just happened. Yeah. Like, it was just kind of like a test of fate. But it seemed to to be a blink of an eye later. I was on an airplane. That's Like, incredible. we had had an interview, and he had accepted me. I had an interview with a school. I woke up at, like, 3.30 a.m., Eastern Standard Time mm-hmm. and got on this call with this school from South Korea and I was half awake. I don't even remember how I got the job because mm-hmm. I just stuttered through the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but then got all of my paperwork together and was on an airplane. I left everything I knew behind, mm-hmm. had two suitcases and a carry-on and that was it. And um, I didn't hesitate. I you know, waited about a week or two to tell my parents. I wasn't sure how I was going to tell my family Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I was leaving. Um, It was definitely one of those things that was like, oh, okay, well, you're already going, so there's not much I can do about it. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, that's kind of how it all started. I just kind of happened for me. Mm -hmm. And how long were you in South Korea? Hmm. I was in South Korea for a year. Um, okay. I, excuse me, it was right outside of Seoul uh, in a small town called Pangyo. It was an up-and-coming city at the time, so now it's probably more of a fun suburb. Mm-hmm. It's about a 20-minute MRT ride from Gangnam. And I had a great time in, in South Korea. Um, I had a nice group of people that I worked with. It just culturally wasn't a fit for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. Uh, When you talk to foreigners who live around Asia and they've had experiences in South Korea, they will tell you they either love it or they hate it. Hmm. There's no in-between. I was on the latter. I didn't have great cultural experiences. My school was not the best, um, but I did stick it out for a year. And I knew that I didn't want to leave Asia. Mm -hmm. So I started looking at other countries to go to and Taiwan just kind of fit. Mm-hmm. I had a friend here who knew somebody with Reach to Teach, which is an organization that brings foreigners from mostly Canada, 
but I was in touch with them and they brought me into Taiwan and um, it's been seven years and I haven't looked back. <laughs> seven years. Um, and you live not in Taipei, not in the capital city. And I only mention that because yep. it's, a, it's a little bit less usual. I think most foreigners, myself included, mm -hmm. do end up in Taipei. So how did mm -hmm. you end up in Taichung? Um, I do not live in Taipei. I live south of Taipei in Taichung, which is kind of the middle, the middle of Taiwan, if you're looking at the map. Mm -hmm. And um, when I got here with Reach to Teach, I wanted to leave Korea so bad that I just took the first school opening that they had. And that ended up being at a really small countryside, well, they call it countryside, town of Chunghua. Mm -hmm. um, and I was there for a while, a few months, and it wasn't as foreigner friendly as I would have liked. Chunghua is really close to Taichung by train, probably less than 20 minutes. And so I would always find myself coming to Taichung more often. And it just made sense for me to move from Chunghua to Taichung. Mm -hmm. Taichung has more of a thriving like foreigner community. Things are more accessible here. There's mm -hmm. more to do in this city. Um, I had always considered moving to Taipei, but living in Seoul, I realized that big, big city life wasn't for me. Yeah. There's too much hustle and bustle every day, even though there are tons of things to do for foreigners and the public transportation mm -hmm. in Taipei is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, just the day-to-day -day life is, I prefer more small town mm -hmm. life. So. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's how I ended up in Taichung. Cool. That's great. Yeah. Um, and so you've been there for seven years. So obviously, I'm going to take a leap and say that you like Taiwan. You have ties to Taiwan. Um, I do. I'd love to hear. I mean, I could talk about Taiwan all day long. And, you know, anyone who listens to this podcast knows that. But um, <laughs> what are some things that stand out to you as to why you've you've lived there for seven years or you know what do you mm -hmm. love about it and then on the flip side is there anything about Taiwan specifically that you find challenging or mm -hmm. um, maybe struggle with um I love I do I do love Taiwan um there are things that are great and then as a foreigner there are things where you're just like I cannot get past these cultural differences why do you do the things that you do um, but I will say that my biggest tie here is my partner mm. um, I met her very recently after I arrived in this country and she was actually my main help to move from Chenghua to Taichung she was my driving force of like, you really need to get out of this town. There are no, we don't have any friends here. You have no connections to the small country mm -hmm. town. Like you keep going to the bigger city. Why don't you just move? Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Um, so I met my partner and we've been together for almost as long as I've been here. So it's been about seven years since we've been together. And throughout that, oh, well, Taking that away, um, Taiwan is a great country for like healthcare reasons. Uh, there, I have a balance between work and life that I had never had in the U.S., mm -hmm. which is 
it's kind of surreal to say because I never thought that I would have that balance. My parents never really had that balance. I don't know many people in the States that have that kind of balance. Mm -hmm. Um, If I want to travel, I can go travel. I don't have to financially worry about, oh, am I going to do X, Y, and Z? And then I cannot do ABC. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Um, So on that, that side of things, it just makes sense to live here. Yeah. Healthcare here is super affordable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quality of life is good compared to cost of living. Um, But there are downsides, I would say. Air quality in Taiwan is not the best. Yeah. And it just seems to get worse at certain areas of the year. Mm-hmm. Traffic sucks. <laughs> you know, we're we're a small country of over 3 million people. Do, so, you, do you ride a scooter? I can't remember. I do ride okay. a scooter. <laughs> I do. Um, I rode a scooter for years before I actually got my scooter license, which yeah. is what most foreigners yeah. do. Um, I do love the scooter. I don't drive a car here, and if you ever come to visit Taiwan, you will know the streets here are so narrow, mm-hmm. and there is so much activity going on from cars to buses to bicycles, pedestrians, scooters, um, stray animals, yeah. <laughs> people yeah. doing construction. Like it's just it's too much for a car. Yeah. But for a scooter, it's a little bit easier to manipulate. Yeah, I walked a ton when I lived in Taipei. I just walked everywhere. And that's one of the things I loved about it is that even for a huge city, mm-hmm. it's very walkable. But I always had to, like, really keep my wits about me because of just all the stuff going on and the scooters mm-hmm. running the lights and, you know, just making sure that you're not going to get, like, taken out by something. It's it's very Exactly. <laughs> well, I will say that Taipei has a lot more sidewalks than okay. Taipei has. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like, um, in my area where I live, there are no sidewalks. Mm-hmm. So we are literally walking on the road beside the cars. Yeah. Which is normal. It is very normal and acceptable to do here. Mm-hmm. So... My first time when I went to Taipei, I was like, oh, my God, sidewalks. I haven't seen sidewalks. That is funny. So I will say that it's more pedestrian-friendly up north. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The downsides for me of Taiwan, aside from, like, just general, like, environmental things, is I am a plus-size woman, and Mm -hmm. it's hard. Um, I would say being plus-size in Taiwan is more difficult than being gay. Okay. Yeah. Talk to me about that. I wanted to ask what that experience is like in Taiwan specifically, um, and then maybe a little bit about like mm-hmm. the traveling aspect of it. Yeah. Um, so I am plus size. I kind of always have been bigger than, than the normal mm-hmm. stereotypical U.S. woman. Yeah. Um, I have hips. I have boobs. I have all of yeah. it. But <laughs> living in Asia has just made me realize how different it is and I'm sure you also know to some experience um but I I can't go shopping mm-hmm. here period um very rarely can I find clothes that fit a western size body like the, in my experience we as western women have curves mm-hmm. we're like hourglasses mm-hmm. we have and curve here and Asian size women are just straight 
They're mm-hmm. just straight up and down. Mm-hmm. So when you see something that's labeled Asian size, it's not going to give in certain ways. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's like, it's made like a box. Yeah. And it's that's not also going to hug the, the fashion, which, you know, they could inform each other mm-hmm. for sure. But the fashion is like very straight and boxy. Mm-hmm. Um, at least, you know, it is there. Yeah. No, it, it definitely still is. And um, the first time I went to H&M in Ximending, which is a big H&M in Taipei, mm-hmm. I was wondering, like, okay, so what's the difference between this shirt and then this shirt that has a tag that says Asian fit? Yeah. Because very rarely can I find sizes. So I need to go to places like H&M or mm-hmm. Costco to find, like, a, a T-shirt or a tank mm-hmm. top if I need it. And then... I tried it on and I was like, this doesn't work. <laughs> like, yeah. it just kind of falls in all the weird places. So I do spend a ridiculous amount of money getting clothes. And I've noticed that I do not shop as much as I used to in the States because mm-hmm. I just don't have that ability. Yeah. Um, and it's not just the clothes that is the problem. It's every day when I leave my house, people are staring and it's not just because I'm a foreigner which I understand I understand that I live currently live in a smaller part of Taichung I've moved to the outskirts Mm. um so there are more older there's more elderly people who've probably never seen a foreigner Mm -hmm. and there are people who've definitely never seen a plus size foreigner Mm -hmm. so I get stared at I get pointed at I get whispered about um and it's just made me a lot more defensive mm-hmm. when facing the public. And it, it sucks to say that because Taiwanese people are very kind and welcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I think that they have to take a little bit longer because they have to process that I'm not just a foreigner, but I'm a plus-size foreigner. And to them, that is really weird. Mm-hmm. And it, it just kind of makes me feel... To be honest, it makes me feel shitty. Like, nobody wants to be talked about, whispered about when you walk around or Mm -hmm. or pointed at. Nobody likes to feel shitty. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just like a generally bad feeling. Sometimes when I go out, I have to try not to be as defensive as I want to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of my first instinct now is to to fight back when people point and stare. And I have to remind myself not to do that because that's just not the way that I want to to show myself. Yeah, um, that's admirable. Aside from, yeah, thank you. Aside from the clothing, um, spaces here are much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just about like body size, but in height as well. Like yeah. I'm 5'9", and I really struggle with like the height of the countertops or the height of the desks mm-hmm. or height of tables or couches like when I went to go buy my couch I can't tell you how many couches we tried because I wanted to find one that was higher so that yeah. I wouldn't feel like I'm constantly sitting on the floor that's interesting um, that is a total privilege that I never even realized that I have because I'm 5'3". I'm quite <laughs> short, so I, oh, I completely blend yeah. in that way there. Yeah, wow. No, and I just, 
sometimes I will see these taller Taiwanese men and I'm like, how do you function? Because like, you're much taller than me and I struggle. Like, I get, if I'm cooking for too too long, my shoulders and my upper back will start to hurt because like, I feel like I'm hunched over the countertop. Mm -hmm. Um, My desk is one of the highest heights that I can find here, which is still really low for me. Um, Seats in Taiwan are smaller and for plus size people they're scary they are these plastic stools or plastic lawn chairs Mm -hmm. um really tiny things and it just it's all like this sense of oh my god if i sit on it am i gonna break it Mm -hmm. and it's like then it turns into that fear of i don't want to be ridiculed and be like that figure in public yeah. It's a really hard mental thing to overcome as mm-hmm. a plus size woman in Asia. Now, did you find the same or similar situations in South Korea or was there any other different reception there? In South Korea, I did find similar situation. Um, I think that it's just all of Asia. Yeah. Um, I've traveled Indonesia, Japan, Cambodia, Hong Kong, Thailand. um, And it just seems to be all of Asia is not accommodating of size, Mm -hmm. especially women of size. Mm -hmm. Men of size, it seems to be more accepted. Um, But to have a woman of size, it is definitely more... I'm trying to think of the right word to look for. It's just not seen as something that's societally there. Like yeah. I, I see plus size Taiwanese women walk around, and I'm like, well, how do you? How? how? Mm-hmm. Like, where do you buy your clothes? How do you function in your own society? Because I really struggle. Yeah, is it like the? even though they exist, obviously, because people of all shapes and sizes exist all over the world, but is it almost like the society prefers to pretend that plus-size women don't exist and so they don't make it accommodating for them? Um, They just choose to take that approach, even though it's not practical or realistic or welcoming, frankly. In my experience, it's kind of like that. Um, I, when I taught senior high school a few years ago here, I had a student who was of size Mm -hmm. and it took me a couple months to kind of observe her in my classes. And, you know, I finally got up the nerve to be like, Hey, where do you shop? Because I can't. And she showed me a couple of places, but they're not brick and mortar stores either. Mm -hmm. Everything that she showed me, she buys online. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I can think of, three out of this whole country brick and mortar stores where I can go and find a small selection mm-hmm. of clothes. Yeah. And the common thing, I mean, I know you mentioned H&M cause that's one possible possibility, but mm-hmm. the common thing is just sort of night market clothes and street, you know, shop clothes mm-hmm. and things. And those yeah. are sold in one size. Usually it's just one size fits all. And so I remember I'm, I'm fairly straight size. And even many times I would go in and just, 
you know, there's no way this is going to fit me. And I would ask them if there's another size and they'd look at me like I'm crazy. Like, no, that's, that's the shirt. That's, that's what you mm-hmm. get. Um, yeah. so there's really no diversity of sizing options there. No. And I will tell you this fun, shocking story. Um, a few years ago I ordered from a shop here called orange bear or OB mm-hmm. and they do offer an array of plus size options mm-hmm. online. Well, what they call plus size options. I ordered a shirt in a 4X, which normally I would never touch mm-hmm. in the space. I need like one or two. Yeah. When this shirt came, I was like, okay, it's going to fit me because it's a 4X. There's no way that this will not. It wouldn't go over my chest. Oh my so I gave it to my partner. My partner yeah. is very straight size. Yeah. For western mindset Mm -hmm. it fit her like a glove wow so you mentioned that you do order a lot of your clothes online um is that a a feasible alternative does that work out or or does that have its own problems i mean other than like not Um, things on that is a huge problem because i do i do have the height so when it comes to buying like shorter dresses or pants not being able to try it on pre-purchase is a massive hinder hindrance when it comes to things yeah um shopping online does pose its own problems it is insanely expensive uh for example if i needed a new bra i would pay somewhere between 50 to 70 dollars for the bra let's be real lane bryant is not cheap um and then the shipping is another fifty, sixty, seventy dollars on top oh. of that. So I'm paying double just to get one item. I um a few years ago I needed a nude strapless bra for an event and I didn't have one. So I literally spent hundred and twenty US dollars to get the bra oh and the bra God. shipped here because I needed it. I didn't have another option. We'll save and up it for was like just, 10 bras and have someone deliver them in person. It's the price of a plane ticket. Usually um, I'm very grateful for my family because I'm able to get things sent to them and yeah. they will ship them to me every few months. Yeah. But if I need something right away or something that's heavier, like jeans are heavier, um, shoes. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think jackets or like sweaters for winter. These are all heavier. They're bulkier. And so to have my parents ship them is just, it's, I feel really bad asking them because it's heavy. It is pricey too. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially because COVID shipping rates have gone in skyrocket. Mm -hmm. So it's not even just the clothes. It's the shoes. Like if you want, I mean, you said you're, on the shorter side so I'm assuming like you were able to find shoes here but yeah (laughs) yeah, I can't I'm a size nine and I know other women here who are like a size eight eight and a half nine some are even larger than a nine Mm -hmm. and shoes here are are impossible um I get told to look at the men's shoes or the men's section of things which is not what I want I'm a very I'm more feminine presenting woman I want like cute things yeah So transitioning to sort of our other focus for our conversation, would you tell us how you met your girlfriend? I'd love to hear that story. Of course. It's a really cute story. Um, It's actually kind of surprising for a lot of people 
but uh, when I came here to Taiwan, I didn't know anybody again. Um, mm -hmm. When I got to Korea, I didn't know anybody. When I came to Taiwan, didn't know anybody. So I, um, I have previously mentioned that when I got to Taiwan, I was in a smaller country town, and it was just me and the two foreigners that I worked with. Mm -hmm. And we didn't live together. We all lived in our own separate places. So I started to feel really lonely really quick. And I wanted people that I could connect with. Um, so I started reaching out on Facebook and decided that I would open up all of my old dating apps. <laughs> so I reactivated some old uh, online dating accounts and OkCupid was one of them. I think it was OkCupid and Plenty of Fish because mm -hmm. Tinder wasn't big here yet. Um, so I opened those two up and just started like filtering through. I adjusted profile things and I really was just looking for people who I could connect with on a, on a friendship level. Like I wanted mm -hmm. people to talk to, I didn't want to feel alone. Um, yeah. And I came across my partner's profile at the time and I was like, oh, she's cute. Okay. And we have a lot of stuff in common and she you know her English looks like it would be okay to hold a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I messaged her, and um, she drove about half an hour to come meet me at the train station. And we talked about politics oh. at our very first <laughs> meeting. Um, she told me a lot of stuff about Taiwan and their political climate and the Sunflower Revolution. Mm -hmm. We had a nice walk and grabbed some noodles. And um, ever since then, we've been inseparable. I love that. That's wonderful. So we met on a dating app, um, yeah. which seems to be the case for a lot of lesbians here, mm -hmm. which is, is quite interesting. Yeah. How, how do you find the LGBT plus scene in Taiwan? You know, what is your comfort level with um, your relationship in public or anything like that? Um, the LGBT scene here is very different from that of the Western world. Um, it seems to be a little bit more hidden, especially in Taichung. I don't know of many, if any, completely queer spaces. I do know that there are some in Taipei, mm -hmm. um, outside of Red House, yeah. but those are mostly gay men spaces. Yeah, um, queer women spaces, I can only think of one club in Taipei, and I do know of one tiny bar here in Taichung. Okay. Aside from that, queer spaces are really hard to find. Um, and it's, it's kind of different. Not in a good way, not in a bad way. It's just different. Mm -hmm. I came from big queer spaces in North Carolina. Um, and to transition to a place where the queer spaces are, are hard to find, it's minimal, non-existent, is a whole different world. <laughs> mm -hmm. My relationship in public is uh, very little PDA. Um, we don't push it in front of anybody. Everything is behind closed doors. And I, it's not to say that Taiwan is not a welcoming environment for LGBT. I'm not saying that at all mm -hmm. because it is exactly the opposite. Uh, Taiwan was the first Asian country to legalize gay marriage. Yes. Um, we have pride every year. It is a massive, massive thing. This is just a personal choice between my partner and I. Yeah, for sure. Um, and 
I always tell people if they want a gay-friendly country, then then please come to Taiwan because you you will be welcome. They don't necessarily look at people. There is no illegalities. That mm-hmm. you just you live your life and you live your life normally alongside the hetero norm. Yeah. Um, there is no like specifically queer thing outside of Pride. There mm-hmm. are drag drag shows. Um, there's a small drag community in Taipei. Um, but other than that, like we just we just kind of exist within the flow of the norm, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of weird because in the states, you know, queer spaces are always out; they're always their own. People mm-hmm. know about them. Mm-hmm. Um, queer people in general are just very loud and outgoing, and we we wear colors, and you know, we're very vibrant. Mm-hmm. as a community but here it's very reserved yeah well the the culture mm-hmm. is largely largely reserved in many ways i find um it is just Taiwanese it is. culture in general yeah so to some extent that makes sense i think mm-hmm. yeah um in terms of of traveling going to other countries would you base your decisions on where to go on how friendly they are towards lgbt or you know customs or, or laws or culture or anything like that is that is that something you take into consideration when planning a trip i do personally mm-hmm. um and the people in the queer community i know also do take this into consideration as well mm-hmm. um just because my partner and i we travel a lot together and so for us it's a big thing of wanting to feel safe when we yeah. go somewhere and I mean, on top of that, we're both women, so we do need to look at the safety of the country. And mm-hmm. while doing so, I also look more into like, okay, what are the the laws or the policies behind gay relationships? So there are some places that that I would love to go, like more Middle Eastern countries, but mm-hmm. I don't because of their laws um, with same-sex relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very lucky that in like Southeast Asia, it's, it's fine. Um, it's not, a, it's not a big deal yeah. because we don't show PDA, but for those couples that do or are very, you know, lovey dovey in public, mm-hmm. I would suggest to, to do a little bit more research. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like to kind of look at like the queer community of where we're going to see if there are any fun events. <laughs> Or, you know, if there's, like, a cool bar to go to, mm-hmm. it's just a cultural thing for me. Yeah, totally. So I, I do definitely research and take into consideration when I travel. Mm-hmm. And I also want to support people who support my community. Yeah. You know, it's a thing. Like, people who are religious want to support organizations that support their denomination or their own religion. It's the same for queer people. We want to support the people who support us. So if something is queer run, queer owned, I would be more likely to support that facility, service, or organization versus another one. Yeah, absolutely. That totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. So we're sort of rounding the end of our time here. I feel like we barely touched on anything. <laughs> you, you spoke a lot, but we could go, we could go hours on any of these. We topics. could go hours. Yeah. Um, is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to make sure you say, 
um, anything about about any any travel related Taiwan related topic, frankly. Um, I kind of just want to end it saying that if you do have any plus size listeners out there or people of of size or of of sexuality who who will always want to travel, whether it be domestically within the U.S. or internationally, then um, do your research, network, ask questions, and, and don't be scared. Yes, I have struggles as a plus-size woman here in Asia, but I would never take it back, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I, I would never go back in time and, and not do this. Um, my struggles definitely... Are, are so small in comparison to, to the life that I have here and, and how good I feel mm-hmm. about the the balance between work and life. Yeah, I'm much happier true. here than I ever was in the States. So it's just a thing that you have. It's a mental block that you need to overcome. So mm-hmm. if you, you do have any listeners of the queer community or size, um, feel free to reach out. Um, I'm always here for advice or can point you in the right direction. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll definitely link to any of your social media or sites that you want to uh, put out there. We'll do that in the show notes for this as well. I would love to direct people that way. Yeah, of course. Um, I just, I, I know that we touched a lot on the, the disadvantages of being a plus size woman in Asia. Um, but I don't want that to be the forefront of people's minds. Like I, if I can do it, then then other people can do it. And the plus size travel community internationally is huge and is very mm-hmm. helpful. So cool. Yeah, that's yeah. good to hear. Yeah, I asked you a question in sort of our pre-show notes, and this was definitely me, um, sort of in my own ignorance, trying to put a positive spin on something. And I said, like, has being plus size ever brought you joy in relation to travel? And you know, that's me mm-hmm. trying to like, but there must be something good about it, right? And and you said like. Well, no, I mean, it's just brought a lot of challenges, except that it is who you are and what you are doing brings you joy. And, you know, correct me if yes. I'm paraphrasing that wrong, but I think that sort of ties into what you're you're saying now that like it does bring challenges in the way that many things in life can, but you are doing something incredible with your life. And that's, you know, that's part of mm-hmm. who you are. Yeah, well, I, I mean, anybody straight size, mm-hmm. gay, you know, we, we all have challenges and mm-hmm. traveling always highlights those challenges. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for me, it just happens to be plus size. And mm-hmm. I am gay, but that, that is not as big of a, an issue mm-hmm. as it is being a plus size woman in Asia. So as much as, this is, as much as it is a challenge, it is a benefit. And it, it is who I am. And I, I'm very accepting of who I am. And I just, um, you know, I just push forward every day and, and do what I want to do with my life and don't let people stop me. So yes, I love that. No, yeah. Thank you so much for talking with me. It was really nice just to to chat with you again, because we didn't get to see each other another time before. No, it's been, this has been great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I've really enjoyed uh, getting to talk with you as well. I know that we only met like one time when you were still here. So it's been good to, to reconnect. All right. Well, thank you. I will let you get on with your day because it is morning there in Taiwan. So have a lovely day. It is. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Thank you again to Haley for having that conversation. I so enjoyed it. I hope you all enjoyed listening to it as well. You can find all of Haley's links in the show notes for this episode. Feel free to send me any questions or comments to pass on to her at goingoutyourdoortravel at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at goingoutyourdoor and on Twitter at goingoutyour. And we will be back next week with more travel tips and tricks and information here at Going Out Your Door. 